Twas the night before draft miss. And I am not nearly as good as whoever wrote that book to make something out of it. So let's just get into it. Draftmas Eve, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Gold Zone, our final show before the NFL Draft. Of course, we'll be back after the Packers take three receivers with their first three picks in this year's class. Welcome to the show, guys. I'm your host. I am Jacob Westendorf, live in the Game On Wisconsin studios, as I always am. And I am joined by my much more handsome namesake, my counterpart, my friend, my confidant, Jacob Morley. Jacob, doing uh, some... Uh, you know what? I'm not going to make that joke of what you were doing pre-show because it's <laughs> probably not suitable for work. But what's up? How are we doing? Man, I'm I'm good. We made it. We did it. We're here. There's two. There are two days in the draft process for me that are just like, who? One is when the draft guide's done. Like that is just like a big who. And then like from now until the draft, like it's just like man, it is here. We are all sick and tired of speculating, of talking about the same, same, same scenarios just recycled over and over again in a cyclical way. And we're like just ready for like just give me the names and I want to talk about those guys. Kent, how are you feeling? Can can you relate? Oh, I can super relate and a very merry draft miss to all of you. I'm very excited to be here hanging out with you. I yeah, super relieved. You guys crushed the Green Bay draft guide. It was awesome. Um, and I am just very much looking forward to the uh, to the results. We are literally like, like we're 23 hours and 58, 58 minutes away, boys. We finally, yeah. we're right there. We're right on the cusp. Right there, right on the cusp before uh, we got a few things. And we got a quick question. So Kent uh, is a Chiefs fan and does cover the Chiefs. That is how that works. So Kent relates to us. He understands what it's like to have an elite team with an elite quarterback that pisses down his leg in big moments and maybe loses oh. a game or two that, that doesn't. Uh, All right, guys, we'll see you later. Catch <laughs> <back>. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't say anything if I hadn't lived it for the last 15 years myself. So it's a great life to live, and I look forward to uh, seeing what's going on with Kansas City here in the next couple of years. But Kansas City and Green Bay, actually, an interesting scenario for both of them, just because they're both in a similar-ish situation. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a little bit older than Patrick Mahomes is, but two first-round picks. A little bit. Just a, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, just you a know, scoach. 12 years. Who's counting? Both guys, but they both traded their top receiver this year. Uh, Tyreek Hill is now famously a Miami Dolphin, so the Chiefs will pick 29th and 30th in this year's class. The Packers 22nd and 28th in this year's class. So just really briefly, Kent, where do you think, because Kansas City is a team a lot of people are looking at as like somebody that can snipe someone Green Bay wants. And it makes some sense. Andy Reid obviously is from Green Bay, obviously eons ago at this point, but he was from Green Bay, kind of understands that philosophy. Brett Veach has done a really good job since being in Kansas City. What um, what do you think or what's the pulse you're getting on what maybe their strategy is going to be as we get into? Are they sticking and picking? Are they going to move both of those guys and try and get into the top 15? What are we thinking there? I mean, I think all all bets are are you know are, everything's on the table for this team, honestly. And I think that probably 
similarly echoes the, the sentiment you guys have. And honestly, I think it's mm-hmm. the same positions. Like we're looking and you know, a lot of people are saying, Hey, the Packers and the chiefs are the two teams that are going to trade up or are looking to trade up or could potentially trade up. They have the ammo. Um, and I think both Packers and chiefs are probably looking at receiver and pass rush too. I mean, I think there are probably some situations here where, you know, the chiefs and the Packers are pitted up against each other a little bit. And so, I mean, we're closely monitoring the Packers in Chiefs Kingdom, and I'm sure you guys, like you kind of mentioned, are kind of monitoring the Chiefs too as you know teams that could potentially be jockeying for the same players. It's going to be very interesting because both teams are in very similar situations. I mean, even their quarterbacks are in the same commercials. So yeah, yeah we can't we I can't think... ever get them to play against each other. No, like they can never be, be in the same game no. for whatever. You know, Jake Jake from State Farm was in KC. Yes, they had a bunch of events going for the for the state farm bowl that didn't happen it was incredible they should have just snuck jordan love into a commercial real quick just so they still could have ran with the same theme we have so our social media manager actually used to work for state farm and she lives in close to that area not quite in that area but she said there is so much marketing material they just had to dump on tuesday afternoon was like hey uh by the way 12's got covid so that's not gonna happen (laughs) thanks a lot aaron thanks for nothing Dude, what I think is interesting for both these teams too, the, and the name, the name that keeps get thrown get, keeps getting thrown around as like a guy that could potentially slip, and is Kayvon Thibodeau, mm-hmm. and I think that is a guy that both the Packers and Chiefs would be monitoring closely to say like, hey, 11, 12, 13, if he's there. Like, what kind of package can you put together? And I think the Packers and the Chiefs would be those two teams that's like, okay, well, who can outbid the other team? And because their their draft capital is really close, too. Like, the Packers, like, I think they have more because they've got the higher first-round picks. So they could probably outgun the Chiefs if they wanted to, but they would have to want to. You know, that's the interesting part is, like, they would have to give up a lot to go up and get a guy like that. And I, I would be I would be over the moon. With a, with a guy like that. And I think Chiefs fans would be it too, because that's someone throughout the whole process that no one has really talked about outside of like the what ifs, the well, what if he falls? What if he slides a little bit? And as we get closer to it, it seems like it's realistic that he's going to be outside the top 10. Like it's there's, it's, there's a non-zero percent chance that he might be sitting there at 12. And so for these two teams, that might be the the most interesting storylines is it might be like the who can who can trade up to get one of the I mean in my opinion the top three players in this draft class is that might just be sitting there and and you know maybe it's just silly season guys maybe it's just stuff that people are trying to make him drop I don't know he could still go fourth third I don't know but where there's smoke there's fire and this and with him it's not just been the last week. It hasn't just been like, oh yeah, all this stuff is happening three days before the draft. This the echoes and the and the the breadcrumbs have kind of been there um, the whole process so, all year. Uh, yeah, really, honestly, all year. <clears throat> well, I'll I'll say this. Um, you know, if we're talking about the Chiefs and the Packers pitting themselves up against each other for some of these players, Kayvon Thibodeau, I I do think is one of those guys that could be in play for the Chiefs in a possible trade up. I think that's about it. I think that might be as far as big moves that the Chiefs would make. It's for an edge rusher. It's one of those top four edge rushers that fall. And Kayvon Thibodeau very obviously seems like the one that has a chance to. So if Thibodeau gets outside of the top 10, I bet the Chiefs are are considering that move. I would I would venture to say that they are considering that move. So 
Um, that's going to get interesting in the bidding wars between the Packers and the Chiefs. I think, yeah, I think the I think the Packers are better positioned to make that move easily because they've got pick twenty two. But it's it's less appealing, you know. It's like it's or it's more appealing to fall back in a smaller, you know, fallback. I'll say this though: the the Chiefs have put themselves in a better position at their other needs, like receiver. Like the Chiefs have kind of done what I I hope the Packers would have done at wide receiver, and it's go get go get a few mid tier guys to pair with Travis Kelsey that you're it, with your all world quarterback, you're still going to be fine. You know? So like if they do, but the Packers on the other hand, they signed Sammy Watkins to a one year. Not, I mean, not, not a prove it deal, but like not really even like a guaranteed you're going to make the roster type deal. And there is just a feeling that if green Bay doesn't come out of the first 100 picks with one or two receivers, then what are we doing? You know? So that, <laughs> that, that is kind of the thing. So it's like, they would have to temper like, okay, well, how much can we actually give up to go get this guy and still just ignore this other need, which the Packers have done that before though. They, they've been like, Hey, we'll figure that other part out because yeah, we can go boy. get this. We can go get this stuff. Bad quarterback. You know? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did I say no. that? That one. Okay. So the question that came through in here today, I had this and this is something I have. So the Packers and chiefs are one of a couple teams with two first round picks. And like you mentioned towards the latter half, uh, of the second round or of the first round, excuse me. So the question I asked today is of these players that are in this class, what players would you trade both of those picks to move up for? And, you know, for the Packers two first gets them as high as like seven or eight based on the trade value chart. Maybe they throw in a little sweetener, you know, to get up into five, if they wanted to do something like that, I can't personally picture them doing that, but maybe um, to me, there's two players in this class that I would do that for Aiden Hutchinson is one. And I, don't think he's going to last nearly long enough for something like that. And Kayvon Thibodeau is the other one. Those are the only ones for me. And I even get a little dicey on that just because my general rule of thumb is if I'm trading multiple first round picks, it's for a quarterback. Because you look at like a couple of years ago, the Chiefs made that draft day trade rather famously. They traded up with Buffalo, two firsts and a third, and they end up with Patrick Mahomes. Buffalo slides back. They don't have Patrick Mahomes. They have Josh Allen. He's pretty good, but they can't seem to get past the Mahomes fella for whatever reason. 13 seconds. Last years. 13, and that's, yeah, th- that's still just incredible to me that mm. that was a thing, but it is. Then they lost um, after that. Wait, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Explain> that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I got nothing on that, but the, my general rule is if you're doing that, it's got to be for a quarterback just because the impact just isn't going to be there. You look at like Khalil Mack was a defensive player of the year when the Bears traded for him. And they made the playoffs twice. They never won a playoff game while Khalil Mack was a Chicago Bear. It's just really hard to replicate that value of two first-round picks if that player doesn't play the most important position in football. That being said, Kent, I tell you the Chiefs traded 29 and 30 to move up to wherever that gets them. And admittedly, I haven't done the value. It's uh it's it is pick it's roughly pick eight. Okay, they, so if they, they could get, get a little bit back from Seattle if they if they did it at nine. Gotcha. So eight or nine. I tell you, they moved up to eight or nine with 29 and 30. You're telling me they better have picked who? Thibodeau, I think, is definitely on that list. Aiden Hutchinson, I don't think he's fallen that far. Trayvon Walker, I'll take. Um, that, that might be the list, honestly. I don't. What about Drew? You, do you like Jermaine Johnson enough? Jermaine Johnson, range? too. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson, too, I think would be would be a good one. But I'm more excited about Thibodeau than I am uh, than I am him. Trayvon Walker and Thibodeau are two I'd be most excited about. I'm not optimistic about Thibodeau. I don't want the Chiefs trading up for a receiver. Um, right. I, I think I think you can catch value in the top fifty. They've got you know 
three picks in the top 50. Um, I'd be fine selling for a Sky Moore or hopefully a George Pickens falling out of the first round and, and falling in, into the into the second round because of some concerns there. So uh, there's there's not a big list of guys I'd be willing to trade up for. It's the edge position. Maybe the corners. You might be able to talk me into a corner if one of them fall. Derek Stingley. I mean, that would be exciting. But uh, there's really not a ton of th- players. I think there's only a few that are blue chips, and I think that's what you got to do if you're going to go take 29 and 30 and move up. Yeah. I think – and for the receiver position too, that's kind of where I'm at. Is I'd rather just wait and see. The Packers are in a little bit different position because they they're kind of their hands are kind of tied. Like they really do need they need a guy. They need a dude. And <clears throat> to move up that much, there's no way they would trade both first to move up for a receiver. There's just not one worth it in this class, I don't think. Uh, so like you got the smaller move ups. I'd be fine with like a move up to 17 or 13 where you don't have to give up two first round picks to move up and do that. Uh, but yeah, to, to move up to six, if you're the Packers to go get a receiver, oh man, I don't care who it is. I will class. say this. If Gutekunst wasn't willing to do, and I agree with him for the record. And I say that knowing the benefit of hindsight even now, but if he wasn't willing to do that in 2020 for Justin Jefferson to move from, what was that? 30 to 2020 is where they would have had to get yep. to. And theoretically it would have taken them the next year's first round pick. If he wasn't willing to do that for Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson is wide receiver one in this class. And I think there's a decent margin between him and Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, George Pickens is who we got in the green Bay draft guide, the Kansas city draft guide as well, which if you guys haven't gotten your hands on that, check the bottom line here, there's still time to do that. And there's a whole day's worth of reading tomorrow. So why not get yourself a chance to read and see what's going on uh, with the Packers and get the KC one too. Those guys were nice enough to help us out and put this thing together. So support those guys as well. Uh, Kent, we're just about out of time and I do appreciate you stopping in. You can follow him on Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson. And we actually got you in for a show that we weren't talking about a shitty quarterback class. Like we had the first <laughs> Thank time. You. You appreciate <laughs> so it. We get to do something mm-hmm. like that. You're Brian Gutekunst. And I know I'm putting you on the spot. I'm asking you to do this without a simulator. So just be as realistic as you possibly can pick 22 and pick 28. You're leaving the first round with whom? Uh, I would say Chris Olave. I think it's realistic at that at 22, and then uh, George Karloftis at 28. I think I, I think that's the move. I would be more than thrilled with that first round. I am. I, if you if I, here's the thing, I'm not a huge Karloftis guy, but if y'all snipe him I at am. 28 before I before the Chiefs get a chance, I am going to be very upset. I, he'll be the first person I message once I hear his name come across the bottom. Line. It's going to happen. There you go. So he's Kent Swanson. Follow him on Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson. Find his network, KC Sports Network. Grab their draft guide. Grab ours. Kent, good luck tomorrow night and Merry Draftmas. Merry Draftmas, fellas. That is Kent Swanson. Like I mentioned, you could follow him there at Kent underscore Swanson. Let's go to our next guest. Why waste any time from Yahoo Sports tonight? The great. The legend, as far as and a superhero, I believe is what I just said, as far as I am concerned. Eric Edholm coming home from uh, soccer dad duties, and his son <laughs> is scoring goals at a pace that uh, looks like Aaron Rodgers' touchdown passes in 2011. It really is just phenomenal. So if you want to bet on the next great soccer player for the United States World Cup team, uh, little Edholm is is your go-to there. Eric, welcome to the show. It's been a while. How are you, my friend? Yeah, he he's got a very hockey name, Henrik. You know, you'd think yeah. that would be he'd oh, be like a, yeah. he's a lefty too. So I mean, we've got you know baseball coming up. We've got mm-hmm. I mean, there's oh, the potential is through the roof. It's unbelievable. How you fellas doing? You want to talk some draft? 
Let's. I, that's kind of what you do for a living, isn't it? So for those of you that don't know Eric at home, I don't know why you wouldn't at this point, but that is right. He's our first guest tonight without a beard. Uh, I'm not sure why that is, but <laughs> that is the case. He's the lead draft writer for Yahoo Sports, uh, works with a lot of different people, had a lot of stuff. They had his own mock draft today, so we'll talk about uh, some of the picks going on there. That's the last mock you're going to do, right? You're not putting one out tomorrow. And here's the thing. I changed it once. I published it, and then immediately a call that I placed like two or three days ago, Got it, came into me, and they're like, oh, no, that's that's not going to happen. You know, went to my editor, said, hey, do you mind if I change one pick? And then I got in there, sneaked in another change, too. You know, it was getting ugly for a minute. I just said, you know what? I'm hitting safe. I'm closing out. I've I've heard two or three things since then that have, that have shredded my mock-up. So, like, it's already ancient history. But, yes, that is my final version. So have you when, bought the Quay Walker stuff to, what was it? I think somebody reported earlier, Quay Walker doesn't get past New England. I think that was one of them. Yeah, they're they're definitely a team that has looked hard at them and shit I, and stuff. I don't know what I can say on this You're podcast. totally fine. <laughs> yeah, let it rip. Um, yeah, so uh, they're they're absolutely in on them. You know, I, I think I gave them, who the heck did I give New England? I don't even remember at this point. But I put them 32 to the Lions as kind of a – you know, I want to get him in the top 32. I, I don't know where he's going, but that that's a possibility. I, I do think they – the one thing that scares me with him is the instincts, but, boy, athletically he's special. So, yeah, there's a lot of surprising names who could who can enter that first-round mix that I couldn't even get in. Well, and speaking of which, Trey McBride is a name that is getting thrown around as a, as a first-round pick. You know, yeah. somewhat like Cincinnati and Tampa Bay have been super interested yep. in him. And that's that's another name that's just kind of like, what? And yeah. so you you get into this draft, and how, how crazy is it going to be? Because I feel like the last, the last couple of years, we've kind of been given this same song and dance of like, rip up your mocks, rip up your rankings. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be that way. And then it kind of is. And so – this this year, do you do you feel like that's another kind of just thing someone's saying, or do you really feel like this year it is kind of like man picks eight to thirty two? Well, I don't know. Yeah, and even geez, I don't. I mean, I don't know how much how settled you guys are on one through seven. I mean, really, no, I, right? Yeah. So let me just throw a couple of crazy scenarios out there to set the table. Okay, you know, most people have settled on Trayvon Walker at one. May happen, may not. Who knows, right? The owner could technically trump that pick if they want, if he wanted. So Walker goes first. Do we know that Aiden Hutchinson is going second? Oh. I don't think we do. I don't think we do. I mean, I really – I think he could actually go to, to the Jets at four. I mean, it, again, it's hard to know when you hear, like, a team is sort of focused on a guy. And sometimes I get stuff from – you know, the college or from, you know, the players circle, sometimes it comes from teams, you know, so it depends on where I get the info from, but um, you know, I'd heard the Stingley to Houston talk for, you know, a couple of weeks now and was sitting on it because I kept thinking, I don't know, you know, it doesn't really add up, but maybe, and, you know, and then the more calls I made, that seemed real. Are they still stuck on him? If Hutchinson somehow gets past the lines, you know, if, if Thibodeau is the pick, let's say, Lions have done a lot of work on him. They went out there. They brought him to Detroit. They've, you know, they've th thrown the kitchen sink at him. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know which way Detroit goes, and then I don't know which way Houston goes. So I think even the top of the draft, and then as you guys pointed out, all the the Trey McBride types and, and the, you know, other late-round guys who normally would be mid-second rounders who could sneak in late, you know. And then again, Eric Stokes might have been that guy last year, and he played really well last year. It's not like those picks can't you know, exceed expectations or, or prove people wrong. 
And that's how that works, right? Like that's all it takes is a run at a particular position and yeah. a human general manager to go like, man, you know, we're picking 27th. Right. And we kind of like this guy in the fifties range, but there's already been four guys at this position taken and we only really projected two. So is he really going to be there later? Yep. That's why they kind of target guys and take them. Yep. Uh, I am not going to be surprised with anything at the top of the draft. I would say it's significant to some that Iki Ekwanu be the number one overall pick, but uh, I'm just hoping for that for, um, Monetary purposes. Let's just let's just leave things that way <laughs> on that front. But that's what I have uh, there. Otherwise, I could see a scenario like you mentioned where Trayvon Walker's one and Hutchinson's four. I could see a scenario where Trayvon Walker's one and Hutchinson's two, and then yep. Kayvon goes like tenth right. or something like that. I mean, yep. there's there's a lot of scenarios to play, and it feels like the the turning point at that point is, is Kayvon because, like you said, yeah. would would Houston take Hutchinson over, over Derek Stingley if, <clears throat> if that were to present itself. So that kind of makes some, uh, some interest there. That was the guy we were talking about. Jake and I said earlier that if I were green Bay, you know, the only, there was only two players for me that I would trade both of those first round picks for. And one of them okay. was Thibodeau and the yep. other one was Hutchinson. And that was it. Uh, maybe uh, Trayvon. Well, I don't know. I'm just not that wild about Trayvon. I think it's wild that he's going to be the first overall pick. That is just yeah. incredible to me that, that that is the case, but it's just going to be interesting to see how this thing works because then, you know, if a, I did it like a simulation earlier where two quarterbacks went inside the top six, <laughs> well, that meant I didn't have to trade up for, you know, Chris Olave or right. Jamison Williams or one of these receivers, because now that pushes other players down the board. And let's go to the quarterback side of things because your first quarterback, I believe didn't go. And I have this up now. So forgive me if I'm 19, this, I think is nine, that right? 19 or 20. Yeah. Pittsburgh is where I thought maybe new Orleans. Yeah, I'm trying to go through this now. Yeah, 19, New Orleans, and then Pittsburgh both take quarterbacks back to back. But that's the first two. And that's wild because normally quarterbacks get put, and you know, this probably is pushing them up the board, but normally they get pushed up even higher than this. So, what's your take on this quarterback class? And is that the reason that you think people like, ah, this draft, it just doesn't have that dude in it, or it doesn't have the, you know, it doesn't have the sex appeal that maybe Mm. last year's class had because last year had Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and all those guys. Yeah, no, I I think you start there, right? That's the position that, you know, the, uh, the March through April fans, you know, people who just sort of tune in for the draft, uh, you know, once the season's over with, once the combine starts, or even maybe after the seasons, uh, you know, once they know their team's out of contention. But I think a lot of people, you know, start with the quarterbacks and then work their way down, maybe with their own team's needs or whatever. But yeah, I think it's actually a, I mean, just the sheer number of prospects this year is way bigger than last year because of COVID and guys taking the extra year eligibility and things like that. So, you know, it's not a sexy prediction, but I think it will see some undrafted free agents who are really good. But yeah, if we're just talking big picture, it's, it's hard to get super excited about the group. And yet we have five that I think could end up going in the top 50-ish picks. You know, once you, you know, there'll be a, a, a period of waiting, I think, because let's say three get in the first round. And then, you know, you're not going to use a high second round pick on a, on a quarterback usually because you want to get the fifth year option. You might as well just trade up four or five spots, whatever. But let's say Atlanta, Seattle, some, you know, those are teams that I think could look at quarterback and, you know, maybe Carolina can somehow swing a trade with the next year's pick if they love somebody there, whatever. But we have five quarterbacks who could end up in the, you know, the first couple rounds. That's, 
I mean, that's better than some years we've had in, in recent seasons. It just isn't that that Lawrence guy. There isn't that Andrew Luck. There isn't that t- guy at the top. But yeah, overall, I think it's a solid draft depending on what position you're talking about. But I think that is sort of the fan view of, you know, quarterbacks are so. Well, and I think, you know, for Packers fans as well, it's it's important to keep an eye on the quarterbacks. Because Absolutely. Even though they don't need one. You know, they didn't need one a couple years ago either. But, <laughs> uh, but even though they don't need one, like if let's say a huge pivot point at this draft could be like, what if what if Detroit goes crazy and takes a quarterback at two? Yep. And and then the run on those quarterbacks, like everybody's that wants a quarterback is then going to be like, well, maybe we don't wait on them. You know, maybe we don't wait on that guy. And then the other the other aspect of this quarterback class is, you know, draft day does kind of like spark stuff in people like as Andrew Brandt likes to say deadlines yep. for action and with Jordan Love sitting there for the Packers let's say there's a quarterback needy team that missed out on the guy that they liked in round one and everything with you goes back to Jordan Love every single thing <laughs> well you're gonna like what I'm about to say about <laughs> like what if so what if a team you know panics or doesn't panic but they say hey you know what we we could take we could take Sam Howell here at pick 52 or mm-hmm. we could just send it to the Packers for Jordan Love because we had a much higher grade on him coming out yep. um, so I wouldn't be shocked and I, I saw someone ask that in the chat earlier they, they asked what do you think the odds of Jordan Love getting moved this weekend are and I would say maybe maybe more than than what we realize and that kind of does go back to man draft day people get antsy mm-hmm. people want to move stuff because that capital that you have it's leaving you know, you don't have it anymore when you spend it on a pick and then it goes kicks down to the next year. So uh, the quarterbacks are going to be an interesting thing for the Packers this year in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly possible. And and what if, you know, the Carolina Panthers, for instance, what if they say and they don't have a second or third round pick. So factor that in. But I mean, what if they sit there and say we can get a disgruntled Baker Mayfield at a at a big number or we can get a rehabbing Jimmy Garoppolo at an even bigger number? Or we could get this young buck who has some, some, you know, some untapped ability. You know, the, the what's behind door number three option sounds really intriguing, right? You know, other than what one start, some preseason action this past year, we don't have a great view of, of how far he's progressed. It's hard to know. His rookie year was essentially a washout. He was the number three quarterback. They didn't have a preseason. You know, it was a it was a it was a, almost like a lost year for him in some mm-hmm. respects. So I'm sure there's some skepticism, but you know, at the right price, you know, it might be tempting. Absolutely. And then does Green Bay have a quarterback they like in this class, you know, a little bit lower? I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen them bringing quarterbacks in. So I'm imagining, you know, that part of the equation hasn't hasn't been given a whole lot of thought. But yeah, I think you're right about draft day in the sense that, you know, after the 32nd pick is made, a lot of phone calls are made. Sometimes teams will kind of reset their board, look at the, you know, what positions are still strongest, what, you know, what, what do we like here? What do we not like? And then you go to your, your veteran list too, and kind of cross reference it and say, who's available, you know, free agent wise trade targets and, and kind of come up with the best plan. So, I mean, again, I'm not ruling it in. I don't think it's better than 50% chance, but it, w- it wouldn't stun me at all. And that could work twofold for green Bay, right? Like the quarterback run happening later in the first round Absolutely. could coincide with that 28th overall selection. And the, the strategy that I'm kind of talking myself into, if I put myself in Brian Gutekunst's chair, and anybody who's watching, thank everybody that I am not Brian Gutekunst <laughs> because uh, I'm not fit to be a general manager. But 
my strategy that I'm thinking of, if I am Brian Gutekunst, is taking pick 22, targeting somebody in the first round, whether that's, you know, I'm not saying trade both first. Obviously, we just talked right. about that a little bit ago, but move up eight, nine spots and pick the guy that you really want instead of settling for the guy who's left, so yep. to speak. So grabbing that guy. And then what you do is you take, say it's 22 and 92 to move up to pick 16, just to throw a number out there. Mm -hmm. Then you move 28 and move backwards. Right. And you still grab somebody that you really like and you recoup some yeah. of that draft capital. And then if you can trade Jordan Love in the same spot, now you've pretty much – you probably come out ahead if you really put that entire trade together, just depending on, on what it is that it looks like after all of those things. So that's something to watch at the end of the first round as well. And if you're, if you're of the belief that, you know, uh, you know, there's a player value, right? How good are they? But then also, you know, where you can get them, the later you get them, the better, you know, obviously the salary goes down or whatever. I mean, you know, the strength of this draft is probably day two. I'm not saying there aren't better players who are going to go day one, of course, but what I'm saying is that the, the difference is relatively ne negligible, especially if we get, you know, Logan Halls and, and, and Trey McBrides and guys like that who kind of come out of the uh, the woodwork a little bit and, and are mid-second rounders going in the first. Well, that's just pushing more talent down to that range too. So I think I think a lot of teams, like including New England and, and um, I'm trying to think who else I've, I've heard on this one, um, Dallas, but I don't know about that one anymore. That, that was maybe earlier uh, last week. They were kind of looking to trade down. Tennessee has looked to trade. You know, there's a lot of teams in that area that have, that have had similar thoughts, I think. Going that route. So that part will be interesting. We got a little bit of time left. Eric Edholm, you can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. Find him over at Yahoo Sports. On uh, his mock draft today, it came out today. And it had Trayvon Walker going number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's not why I bring that up. You bring that up because we're getting through the rest of this here. The Packers at pick 22, you have them going Devontae Wyatt, the defensive lineman out of Georgia. And at pick 28, George Pickens, the wide receiver, again, out of Georgia. So a double dip for the Georgia Bulldogs. Can you explain um, just your, your thought process behind those picks? And then, you know, what, uh, what led you to ultimately have those guys be the picks in those spots? Yeah, absolutely not. I, I really can't because. <laughs> oh, that's. <laughs> yeah, I, I say that half kidding because I mean every year I have a pretty. I feel like, all right, Packers are going this direction, you know, and I and I put in a pick and I feel pretty confident about it. And then, oh, okay, and I'm sure you guys have have that to a similar degree. It's not like, you know, you completely get thrown off by who they select. It's like, for me, it's like option number six or something or option number four, you know, it was like not the first guy that I would have thought of in, in the last couple of years, but uh, you know, with Wyatt, I mean, I think they, they are probably, I, I took it as a similar approach to kind of the Rashawn Gary pick, which at the time was like, Oh, it's a luxury. We don't need it. Everyone knows, right. You, you, a, you need as many pass rushers as you can B you have to think more than one year down the line. Today's strengths are tomorrow's weaknesses and all that. Right. So, I mean, just thinking in terms of the numbers game, I think they absolutely could use one more D lineman guy who can play, you know, over the nose and passing downs as a five tech, if you need him to, that's sort of what he did in college. So, um, you know, I think a, a good, strong run fitter, you know, quick off the snap, you know, he's got a little bit of bend to him and some, some, some good pass rush technique. Uh, a little bit, you know, shorter frame, shorter arms. So, so it's not like a, a monster or anything like that. But I think a, a, a really nice, quick, agile, multi-positional, versatile guy who kind of sort of fits their needs. So, and I mean, I, you know, that factored in. I think the one thing that, I mean, he's, 
he's like 24 years old. That's that's the yeah. one scary element about him is they're not scary, but you know the upside may not be there. That this may just be a, a workman like pick if it happens. I, I it was an, it was similar to uh, putting Quay Walker at 32, where I was like, I think he's a first rounder, but I can't really find a perfect team for him. So uh, I'll see what I'll do the best I can. And you know, I mean, so so much of this mock draft business is kind of garbage anyway, right? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Pickens would be, I mean, boy. I, I'll say it this way. I There are some teams that are kind of scared by the character stuff, no question. I think Green Bay would feel good about having Rodgers and having, you know, a head coach who's got an, an amazing record and now kind of firmly settled into his place. He's in no threat of being fired. You know, I mean, there's security there. I think he's a good, you know, good in terms of player relations in a lot of cases. So, you know, that type of stable environment, plus it's, it's, you know, it's Green Bay. It's like, you know, its own little, you know, world up there sometimes. You know, that's the kind of team that I can see George Pickens going to. Do I necessarily think he's guaranteed to be the 28th pick in the draft? I don't, I can't say that. There are some teams that wouldn't touch him, you know, even on day two because of the character stuff. Other teams feel like it's overblown. So I don't know. I mean, the talent you guys know, it, it does, I think, come down to, team signing off on that character well and what is i mean <clears throat> the stuff we know about is like he got into the on-field fight right yeah. uh you know as a 17 18 year old kid in the sec like yeah. that doesn't really bother me that much just because like you watch him play like, that's how he is like he's just a dog he's a competitive prick yeah but like the other stuff that we're hearing about is like maybe he's a little bit immature yeah um maybe he rubs some of his teammates the wrong way and is that, I mean, and, and, and I suppose that's why teams can kind of look at it and be like, well, he's immature. Of course he is. He's only 20. Right. You know, he just turned 21. That's correct. So it it is kind of interesting. But is, is there anything else? Like, or is that pretty much what is out there on him? I've heard, I've heard fewer specifics, but I do know a couple things that I'd, I'd feel a little bit uncomfortable saying about just because I right. haven't been able to verify. You know, I heard it from one person and, you know, it's just like, yeah, yeah. You got to be a little bit cautious, but I will say I've heard the word entitled used. Mm. You know, I mean, like you said, the teammate thing was, I think his teammate, if you watched him catch the, you know, the pass in the playoff game and, and the way that his teammates kind of rallied around him kind of matches up with what I heard this year, which was the, you know, the, the knee injury really kind of knocked him down a peg or two, like it would anybody. Right. And yeah. first major injury of his career rehabs comes back, worked hard, you know, got back in shape, was able to contribute to a national champion. That that counts for something. Um, and I and I've heard he's he's grown up a little bit. I still think there is kind of a, a fiery kid in there, right? The water bottle incident against Tennessee, you yeah. know, it was stupid, right? It was just dumb, right? <laughs> Didn't but Randy it, Moss do that too? Yeah, right. Exactly. Like <laughs> you know, Randy Moss did a lot of silly things. I would take him on my team. So, wait, Eric. So you're saying George Pickens is Randy Moss? I, that's Whoa, it. Sure that's oh, everybody. Right Whoa. Yeah, Border Knights is good as gold. Um, to me though, the fight was was really dumb because it was yeah. 48 to seven with like six minutes to go, uh, with the SEC championship the next week. You know, you just I get it. He was young. He probably got baited into that one, but. Those are the, the things that, you know, hopefully he's grown from and, and learned from. And I think he has. We haven't really seen it. You know, there was some talk about 2020, him kind of being a little bit not dialed in, you know. And then that that was that was some chatter over the summer, I heard. But um, I, I've, 
I, I still have a belief that I think he can be, you know, a very productive guy. And I think eventually kind of fall in line with, with the professionalism stuff. He's Eric Edholm. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. And there's a lot that's going to be going on throughout the weekend and a lot of their fun. And for the 2023 stuff, uh, find that <laughs> as, as anything goes. So uh, Eric's always available for stuff like this. We appreciate having you on Eric and we will have you again soon enough. You got it. Pleasure coming on boys. Enjoy the draft. Enjoy whatever happens. Bad pick, good pick trade up, trade I can, down. I can promise you it will be more enjoyable from a Packers fan standpoint than last year's draft. Oh, I yeah. can promise you oh, that yeah. much. Yes, I, I agree. I think you're right about that. All right, fellas. Have a good one. See ya. Right, take care. Appreciate it. Let's go to our next guest here. He's been waiting. He's been patient. And we, uh, I'm sorry because he's our premier guest of the evening. <laughs> so hold on. Stop. Let me cut you off right there. What the hell is this? You're going to make me follow that up? Uh-huh. What am I supposed yeah. to say here? I know nothing but compared yeah. to Eric Edholm. He was terrific. I really enjoyed that. Uh, well, all you got to do is say that George Pickens is better than Randy Moss. Because that's true. <laughs> yeah. Packers been pointed out. He said that word for word. Ladies and gentlemen, from ESPN Madison, uh, now formerly of the post route and the pre-snap here on Game On Wisconsin, Alex Strofe. And Alex, the first question I have for you that I wanted you to follow up. How was Shinedown? What song did they open with? Oh, what did they open with? I had a few beers beforehand. I got to be honest. I also got COVID from that concert. So it's, maybe it's yeah. a good thing you didn't go. Um, so I apologize if I cough throughout uh, throughout our conversation here. But um, uh, I don't remember what they opened with. Is that bad? Second chance, no. maybe? I think no they way. No. Yeah, they didn't start out that slow. You're right. I don't remember, Jacob. I got to be honest. I have it on my phone, but I'm not going to look. I'll right say now. I'll have to look. Oh, I will bet you $5 it was devil. It was. You're we, correct. You're correct. Okay. We, I don't actually have to bet you $5 on that is what I was going to say next. So let's get into we'll it. We'll Venmo you later. We'll Venmo me later. Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's get right into it, guys. The draft is tomorrow. Alex, what I want to get from you is there is nothing in the world that is more entertaining and also maybe dumber yeah. than sports radio phone calls. So when you're taking calls this week for, you know, Will the Intouter and, and all the stuff that you're doing over there, um, at ESPN Madison, what is the pulse of the fan base that you're gathering? Cause obviously we can gather stuff from Twitter. Some people want to trade two first round picks for Garrett Wilson. Some people want to trade the entire draft for Debo Samuel. You know, what is the pulse that you're getting from the calls that you guys take? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I'll get to that in a second, but I think, uh, the main point I've taken away from, from that, right. Is if they don't draft a wide receiver tomorrow, I, things might burn down, right? Like, I really believe unless they get a really sexy pick, right? And I assume that's that's a wide receiver, a high-ranked wide receiver, um, depending on whose rankings you're looking at, I guess, given that it's so subjective right now. But uh, if they don't grab a wide receiver, I think people are going to lose their minds. And, you know, I brought up the topic yesterday. Um, you know, what if they go safety and edge rusher? Are you Are you walking away disappointed? Are you happy with that? I'm not mad, but I'm also not thrilled, right? Like that's not what I'm expecting tomorrow to be. So uh, I think everybody's in the period where their emotions are going to get hurt one way or another, because it's either not going to be the wide receiver they fell in love with and so on and so forth. But I think I heard Jacob Morley say this earlier. This is going to be a blast. Um, (laughs) uh, I think I heard him say something along the lines of, you know, um, uh, you know, if they don't go, um, you know, if they don't go wide receiver, what are we doing? You know, so it's just I, I'm 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 really intrigued to hear um, 
to see where they go tomorrow. I don't know. I'm, I'm, but to, to answer your question, I think people are going to lose their minds either way. Right. And, and well, in, and I was going to say, like, for receiver, I man, the pitchforks are going to be out. Yeah. My pitchfork is not going to be out until after day two. Like, if they don't go receiver with their first four picks, then I'll be right there with people because I'll be like, really, like, what is going on? Yeah. Because let's say they go George Car- Karloftis and, and Dax Hill in round one. Like, I'm, I'm fine I'm with okay that. with that. Like, right. I think that was, I think those are two really good players. And I think, you know, they, there's a lot of value at the wide receiver position and guys that can play early in round two. But, you know, the flip side of that is what if they get – what if they get Olave at 22? What if he slides them? I don't think Packers fans will give two shits about what happens to the rest of the draft Fair class. Point. You know, they're like, we got Olave. Cool. I don't care what happens after that. So I think, you know, that that is the one pick that I think would, like, galvanize Packers Twitter, which is funny to say. Like, yeah. if Chris Olave is the pick at 22, I don't think anyone will not be happy. There will still yeah. be some trolls out there. But I think, for the like, by and large, people will be pretty, pretty pleased with that. And – the other thing that is really interesting on Packers Twitter is looking at people and just kind of like we're in the stage of coping yeah, of people just getting ready to be disappointed because that is what the Packers have kind of done to us the last few years. But then, you know, outside of Jordan Love. One year. It's one year. Of uh, maybe I, I, I still think I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Morally, to your point. There was two recent drafts that people still bring up nonstop. Of course, you've got the Jordan Love pick a couple of years back, but was it 20? I believe it was 2017 when they traded out when TJ Watt was on the board. Sure. Wisconsin, yep, yeah. And remember, I'm in Madison, so a lot of Badgers fans here. That just, that still gets brought up on a weekly basis. It's, we'll it, never, that, yeah, that that will never be forgotten, right? No. So that and happened, those are the two in the last, what, that, five years? Yeah. And well, Rashawn Gary to a certain degree too. I think people were disappointed initially with that. Yeah, uh, and then the Darnell Savage move up. I think people were kind of like, oh, like weren't mad about it, but it was kind of like unexpected. Uh, Jordan Love massively uh, upset. People were upset <laughs> about. Uh, and even last year to a certain extent, Eric Stokes. I think the initial reaction to Eric Stokes was not a good one because all the drama with twelve going on that day made it feel like they were. They had to take a receiver like this year, you yeah. know? So like if they take that guy, I mean, the, and, and then the flip side of all of that is all these guys that people were disappointed in have been really good, you know, <laughs> aside, aside from the quarterback that hasn't played, you right. know, all these picks that they've taken in the top 100 ish, they've been, they're good at drafting these guys. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I think most rational Packers fans will kind of be at as well. It's like, okay, I, I still trust Goot. I still trust him. I think he yep. took a good player and I think it's going to, I think it's going to work out because he, I mean, he's earned that. He's earned that benefit of the doubt with, with his first round draft pick. So um, we will see, we will see this time tomorrow. Uh, I'm so well, excited. We, we won't know. We won't know yet, but we'll be in the thick of it this time tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait, man. And, and you know, it's so interesting because you use the term rational Packer fans, right? A lot of us aren't, right? And I might be part yeah, of that. Yeah. Like, I, I think overreact is another word we could throw at, at our, at our yeah. fan base. And that's not as a diss, right? Because I think I fall right into that category too. So I, I don't know. I think it just, it's, it's the, the draft has never felt like it has as big of an impact, at least recently, for the Packers as it does this mm-hmm. year, right? Like, Absolutely. I think we can all yep. flat out agree on that because there's so much uncertainty. And so I think we're going to see Jordan level. Jordan Love level esque 
Jordan Love-esque level, there we go, uh, reaction if the Packers don't go wide receiver. Maybe not in the first round, but I feel like with two picks there, assuming they don't move, uh, and there's no wide receiver taken, I just feel like it is going to be chaos, and I, uh, I'm i here for it, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm still confused by everything, right, because uh, there's this expectation now that you can draft a wide receiver and they'll have an immediate year one impact. And while there has been some recent cases of that happening, several of them, in fact, you know, I look at like a guy like not just Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, but Terry McLaurin, I think had a pretty good impact as his rookie year. So there are guys that can come in and and work. It's just, it's, it's not as likely as I think some of us think it is. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I don't, I don't know. Cause here's, here's the thing that I've been going in here. There's a couple thoughts I have on this. So in previous years, like what, 2020, when they took Jordan Love and they didn't take a receiver that entire draft class. And everyone was like, oh, it's the deepest draft class we've ever seen at that position. And Gutekunst was basically like, well, we didn't feel that way. And they didn't take one. Their justification could still be, well, we still have Devontae Adams. And then last year, they didn't take one until they had uh, Amari Rogers there in the third round. And they could say, well, we still have Devontae Adams. We got these guys that we liked and they played off of each other well last year, all that stuff they don't have that fallback option this year. Like they can't say our starting point is Devontae Adams. The starting point is Alan Lazard, who is a Jag and Sammy Watkins, who is going to be okay until he gets injured three games into the season. And Mm -hmm. Randall Cobb. I can't believe I've talked about this every day for the last, uh, when did the trade happen? A little over a month ago. And I still can't believe the Packers number one receiver is a debate between Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins. That's just mind boggling to me. Still been over a month. Anyway, and that's, and that's why I think that for the Packers. So like, this is the Morley theory. And that is that the last couple of years, they've had guys they've liked. They've had guys they've wanted. Brandon Ayuk, Justin Jefferson, Rashad Bateman, just to name a couple. And they didn't get him. For one reason or another, they didn't get him. Last year, they could have made a small move to get Bateman. They chose not to. Ended up taking Eric Stokes. That pick, I think, worked out well for them. But I don't think you can afford to wait and be standing there, for lack of better phrasing, with your dick in your hand because you weren't able. And you know what? I understand. I say this all the time. Don't draft players just to say that you took them. But you also can't go into the season with Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb as your as your top and Sammy Watkins without some guy that's at least developing behind those. And I've been of the belief that with their first five picks, two of them need to be pass catchers. That could mean a receiver and a tight end. That could mean two receivers. But they need to add to that position group. And this is kind of the byproduct of not picking a player. And this doesn't just mean in the first round. They haven't picked a receiver in the top portion of the draft. And Amari Rogers doesn't count since. Devontae Adams. And when you haven't done it for that long, this is what happens to where maybe like, do you want to take George Pickens at 22? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you'd rather pick somebody else, but do you also want to risk that George Pickens is the last receiver that you like on the board? Now he's not available at 28. That's kind of the consequence of not being able to do that is now it's very similar to what they had to do. You know, a couple years ago when they, this is 10 years ago now they took Nick Perry. Or they had guys that like, you know, Demarius Randall. They felt they had to reach at certain positions because they didn't have those guys. Well, they don't have those guys at receiver now, so they have to be able to do those things. What do you think about that thought of it and that maybe they have to reach for a guy because they haven't been able to add to that position? So it's it's not the best available, uh, you know, philosophy they've lived by, at least during the Thompson era, right? Just kind of grab the best guy and, and move on. 
um, and sometimes reach for your guy, which uh, and in Ted Thompson's case, I still think his biggest case of that was when he traded up to get Clay Matthews, right? And Clay Matthews was his guy. Um, so I, I, I'd like to see Goody say, yeah, that's my guy, right? And you can make a case. Maybe Jordan Love was the move there. I, I still, I, I'm excited for in five years when we can make whatever that Jordan Love pick was you know we'll we'll understand it with more context uh but anyway we'll understand it on friday when they trade him <laughs> doubt it um yeah. but do you really think it can happen yeah yeah i do yeah, I, I do didn't. and yeah who, who wants them atlanta i th- i mean i'm just Carolina. Guessing yeah atlanta, I, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be i think it'll be we just talked about this with eric too like i think it'll be a team in the second round that's staring sam howell in the face and saying like do we like him more than Jordan Love? Yeah, I, I am, I am willing to wager a large amount of money that I, I, I well, Maybe. not large, not yeah. large amount of money, but <laughs> I think, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's like a twenty five percent chance it happens. Wow. But I think, See, that's it, but higher I, than I think. But I give it yeah. to you. Well, and here's the thing for Green Bay because I've been talking about this with somebody in Morley even, and there are other people that are in Morley's camp on this. Is just that. Do you want to sell, like, you've already got this guy, he's been in your system for a year. Do you want to have two, you know, two years and just kind of waste that and sell them for 85 cents on the dollar? To which the answer to that question for me is yes. Because if he stinks this year in the preseason, which he might, he might not. And Aaron Rodgers is back next year. Now you're not going to get anything for him. So 85 cents is a lot more than 25 cents. So if a team wants to trade a day two pick for somebody like that, then that's what we'll do. God, would that be fun do. though? Would that be fun? I oh mean, God, your Monday morning on, on sports talk would just be incredible if they traded Jordan. Well, I'm just excited for Friday morning because of whatever happens tomorrow, whether it's good or bad, right? Yeah. I mean, people are going to be buzzing, true. especially if they take, if they have two first round picks, it's been a few years since that has been the case, right? I mean, uh, what Savage and Gary, Gary was the last Savage, year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I would love to see it. I mean, I'd love some spice. I, I, look, Jordan Love is never going to be the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, I don't think. Like, I, I, I'm with Morley and, and you, Westendorf, on that. Like, I just I, – I, there's a there's a chance, right? Like, but I think it's slim to none. I mean, and that's as soon as Aaron Rodgers is done. If he gets hurt – So my question is, like, off okay, of yeah. that, so yeah. it's slim to none, is that because Green Bay won't trade him or because the league doesn't want him? Like the rest of the league would won't trade for him, basically. Well, I, I think your point is right. Like this might be the last year you can get something for him if he stinks in preseason, as you just said, right? right. So I don't know. We could get to that point. Or, I just or Aaron Rodgers or, never retires, <laughs> or he lights or he lights it up this preseason. I mean, like that's his possible. Value, that's his value is either going to go up or it's going to plummet. Like it's not going to yeah, stay stagnant. Yeah. I don't think it's huge. Year. It's huge yeah. if he plays this preseason. And, you know, I, I read a comment, you know, I, I didn't see the rumor mill of Atlanta saying they want love. Uh, that's interesting. I will just throw this out here. The rumor mill that's coming from a guy who has hashtag OANN in his profile. It's like ball sack sports or it's a parody yeah. account. Like it's right. not real. So I, I don't put any stock in that. Okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. So, um, so we're running short on time. And Alex, I know you said that you've got a pretty quick uh, out here and the Bucks are playing. So we got to get the, you know, the end of the bull season here. Uh, oh yeah. Alex it's not even close. So I, I got 10 minutes. You're good. Okay. All right. Well, let's think on this. So tomorrow night, the Packers are going to be on the clock. What percentage chance do you think it is that they just pick at 22 and 28? You're asking me the percentage they pick at both picks or just one of that, the two? Right. So they don't trade at all and they just stick and pick. Uh, 
I'm going to be boring. 50%. Like I, I really have no idea what Brian Gutekunst does on draft day. I still, we're several years into it now and I still can't get a gauge for that guy. Uh, it depends, right? It depends how quickly the wide receivers are flying off the board. I think because I, I, I we can agree that is his number one want I'd hope. Right. Like I, I so if they start flying off the board, then yes, I, I, I think they might, he might move. Um, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I'm actually going to change my answer. How's that, guys? That that work? I'm really professional. That's what tonight. we do here. That's what uh, we yeah, do exactly. Here. I'm, I'm, I'm very set in stone. 35% they pick at both. I think there's more chance of at least some movement than there isn't, right? They could trade back at 28. Uh, they could trade up from 28. They could trade back from 22, right? I mean, there's so many uh, reasonable options in there depending on on the movement uh, and, and what they do. You know, if they get, uh, if they do pick at 22, then you've got 28. So, I will go. There was a thirty-five percent chance they they stay put at both spots. There's there's your answer. <laughs> well, and Go- so Goody has had five first-round draft picks since yeah. being uh, the general manager for the Packers, and he has traded up in three of them. Yeah, so yeah. that's sixty percent. He's got two this year. Extrapolate that. Carry the carry the X. I don't know. Carry, actually, carry, carry the Y, right? Yeah. Carry the Y. I don't know. I don't know how to do math, but good. The chances of him moving around, I think, are are going to be good this year. I don't. I I think I tweeted that earlier today. That's like that's the one thing that I think I'm most sure about is that they're not going to pick at 22 and 28. And if they do, yeah, cool. But I'll be surprised. Yeah. No, you guys follow the draft a lot closer than I do. I think that's very clear through 15 minutes of our conversation, right? But. Um, I think that makes sense. Uh, so what are the three drafts? He's, I know he moved back for Jair, and his, that was moved his first year as GM, though. right? Moved back, then he moved back, back up. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Okay, good point. Love is obviously back, one. And then, and then uh, Savage. Darnell Savage. Savage, correct. Okay, okay, so he's been – so he's had five first-round picks, but only four years. So one of the years – he's only not traded up in one of the years, and it was last year yeah, where he right. stuck and picked Eric Stokes. So. Right. He's Alex Strofe. I'm Jacob Westendorf, Jacob Morley. Alex has to do some show prep for tomorrow, uh, which is draft day. And then, of course, Friday morning, feel free to call in to ESPN Madison. Check him out there. Alex, always a pleasure. We'll definitely have to have you back sometime again. You're welcome anytime. Yeah, thanks for teaching me more about the draft, guys. My uh, my, my prep's a little behind this year, as well, <laughs> you can tell. That's, that's good to know. So I look forward to tomorrow and, and seeing what it is that they can do. And then I'll be one of the angry people calling in. How about that? Jahan Dotson, are we happy about that at 28, they'll say? No. No. Okay. I'm just wondering. There you go. <laughs> there you I go. can throw like six more names at you if you'd like. I mean. <laughs> sure. We'll just do a quick 60-second yes or no. Throw your names right. that you got. I, I, well, I heard you mention George Pickens earlier. Are we happy about yeah. him? Yes. Or no? Big uh, yes. Obviously, Olave we're happy with, right? Yes. Big yes. And yep. same with, obviously, Wilson, Williams, and London, I would assume? Nope. Which one mm-hmm. is a no? Wilson, London. I don't, I I wouldn't be in on Wilson. I like the other I'm two. Out we, we 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 are split on London, but so yeah, no, okay. that means I like no London. Mystery. That's interesting like because Wilson, Garrett like Wilson's the top of. I would say that's really the highest number one I'm seeing on most lists, right? Like, but it's yeah. not unanimous, which is fun. Yeah, I just don't I don't get what you do with him. I think he's a slot. I think he's a slot that uh, is going to take a little bit more time. But NFL loves him. I do know that. I just don't. I've, I've, I've seen that. But hey, I trust Morley more than I trust most people. So there we go. I just I just got learned. That's, Thank you, fellas. That's, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, that is wrong. Alex, appreciate it. We'll see you again. Thanks, fellas. All right, let's go to the next one. We've got the publisher of Packer Report joining us for the signature segment of this version of the Gold Zone. Jake Morley and I did this a year ago. It is a snake draft. Ten players. And who ends up a Green Bay Packer? The winner 
of this contest, which last year was nobody because Morley and I got a big fat zero. Yeah. The winner of this contest gets a box of built bars from the two losers. So I don't know what Ross thinks is so damn funny, but evidently, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Ross Bang. Uglum of <laughs> Ross Uglum of Packer Report. Ross, the work is done. Everything is going. How excited are you for tomorrow night? And you were at a quick trip today. What'd you get? Oh, um, so yesterday was my 34th birthday, and um, God, you're old. We, hey, we, you're the same age as Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> went to the Minnesota Twins game, um, and the beauty of Quick Trip is that it has very much infested uh, Minnesota. Um, so when you're in Minneapolis, you're very close to the Wisconsin border, and you can be up in a Quick Trip if you want to be. Um, this was the morning, so I got the hash brown sticks and the breakfast oh. pizza. Oh, yeah. Breakfast pizza is a go-to. The hash brown you... sticks are tough to beat, though, man. Oh, they are. Uh, so let me ask you this. Okay. Hash brown sticks from Quick Trip or Cinnabon Delights from Taco Bell? Oh, Cinnabon Delights, but I'm a sweet tooth guy. Like, And yeah. my, my wife needed, like, a cappuccino, too, you know, the, like the easy push-the-button one. So, um, you know, Quick Trip's got it all. We We – we were able to get what needed to get done done. I got caffeinated. I got back to the motherland. We're we're all good. We're all good. But yeah, I mean, um, usually, like, usually, it it is rare, especially since they've gone to a three day event that my birthday isn't on one of the draft days. Like you remember, I used to go to Wisconsin to hang out with Ryan and whatever. In fact, you might have been involved in some of that at, <laughs> at some point. But uh, yeah, odd odd for me to. Um, to you know turn the calendar once again with with no draft and here we are with a late one uh darn near gonna dip into may with this selection meeting but uh hard not to be incredibly excited um yeah you know of course the gary savage draft where um they had traded you know into a position where they had two first round picks the following year was exciting but this is two top six or four top 60 picks. It's unprecedented. Um, now, granted, you know, picking 12th was, was different, you know, because normally the normally got to stay up late if you're a Packers guy. Um, but this is unprecedented draft capital. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, four picks in the top 60, like Ross mentioned. And, and the other part that's kind of exciting is and what's different from when they picked 12th was not as many just – gaping roster holes is that team had because that team like remember that team that was picking 12th was picking 12th because they were the team that stunk like the new orleans saints pick was the one at 30 so green bay was picking 12th because green bay was bad and now in this case they're picking you know 22nd and 28 28 green bay was good the raiders were okay good enough whatever you want to say for that so a lot going on a lot of fun it's going to be exciting i i don't anticipate i didn't get to get to this with strofe but i'm going to be very surprised if the packers pick 22nd uh, I think that 28 is, oh boy, I don't know which one I would say is more likely, I guess, that they pick out, but I'm going to be surprised if they pick 22nd. Mark Murphy just basically said it would be a shock if Gutekunst didn't move around in the first round. Uh, that doesn't mean up or down necessarily, but I tend to think in this day, it's going to be a, a move up type of situation. But we'll get to that here in just a little bit. So Morley, go ahead and explain the rules of our game here that we're going to play. I know I just kind of did that, but we've got a little bit of time. Well, so this is, uh, it's just a snake draft. So it's going to be Jacob picking first. 
Ross picking second, me picking third, uh, and then I'll pick fourth and so on and so forth. We are going to try to select players that we think will be Green Bay Packers. So any round, all have, any round, Doesn't one matter. through okay. seven. If you get the very last pick, their seventh round pick, right? And that's the only guy we get right. You win. You win the whole deal. And uh, I, uh, Jacob, will send you a box of built bars or whatever. You know, that's going to be the bet. Uh, and we're going to do it that way. So, uh, Dorf, you have the first pick. And we'll kind of just roll through these. We're going to pick 10 guys each. So 30 players overall. Um, hopefully this year we get one right. Zach Tom. Zach Tom. Are you writing it in or do you want me to write it in? I'll write I it haven't in. written any of them in. I'm yeah, that's a, you, that's, a, that's a you job. Ross is just okay. the talent. He's the guy who shows up. And just... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm refusing to do anything. <laughs> well, don't pick someone that's already been picked, damn it. That's that's going to be the thing here. Yeah, Ross, there's punishments Ross, who... for that. We just don't know what they are yet. Ross, what's your pick? Thomas Booker, Stanford defensive lineman. All right, I'll take Alec Pierce, and I'll take uh, Jameson Williams. Drake Jackson, right. Edge, USC. Okay, okay, okay. Drake Jackson. I'll take Logan Hall, and I will take Daxton Hill. Ross? Yeah. Um, let's see. What, what the hell? Christian Watson, wide receiver, North Dakota State. I wasn't <laughs> going to take him because I was going to let you have him. <laughs> I thought about it, but I didn't. All right. I'm going to take Chris Olave and George Pickens. Wait. Nope. I'm not going to take George Pickens. I'm going to take Traylon Burks. Watch it be George Pickens now. And now everyone can see me this fumble the, the win. This – we're taking very different tacks at this because your your guys' day uh, is going to be over on Friday. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to corner. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to corner the market at one sure, position. Sure. If you have uh, Cole Strange, Chattanooga, offensive line. He's good. He good. I will take George Pickens because that's going to be hilarious. Yeah, damn it. And. <laughs> And I will take Romeo Dubs from Nevada. Oh, now I see you're trying to uh, get up in on my guys. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Don't spend so much time with me if you don't want to be talking through these things. I should have taken Dubs earlier. That is such a Packers dude. Okay. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver, Baylor. All right, I'm about to win it right now. I'm calling my shot. I'm calling my shot. can't believe nobody's taking this guy. Jalen Tolbert. And and George Karloftis. That's you lasted that long. That was my where are we at? Pick. Okay, that was one, two, three, four. So I've got six guys. This is everybody's six pick. Nick Cross, safety, Maryland. Love Nick Cross. There you go. Two picks. Uh, Isaiah Spiller. Which might blow up the internet if that happens, but there's always oh, one. They, did, they, they brought him in. They sure did, didn't they? And Sean Ryan. Ross? 
Yeah, I'm just looking. Quit doing that. Ross? Um, Ross, go. I'm going to jump you. I'm going to jump you. Zion McCollum, cornerback, Sam Houston State. Oh, yeah. You like him? Mm, they might. <laughs> they might. Uh, I like him to run down. I, I like him. Uh, to I run down special sure teams? I'm, I'm, yeah, I got to make sure that I have this correct. Uh, I like him at, yeah, I like him at six foot two, 200 pounds as a punt gunner that runs a four, three, three and verts 39. He's fast. He's fast. Get alive. All right. Uh, I'm going to take, out. I'm going to take Zion offensive lineman, Boston college and Ryan van. Denmark. You watch your mouth down there. Lambo Lambo. Matt, you Matt Let's Go did not go to North Dakota State. Ew. They would never. <laughs> no, that, that would be the that would be the that'd be the other one. <laughs> yeah. You watch your mouth. <laughs> okay, so everyone's got uh wait. Yeah, I've got two picks left. You guys are on your eighth. Who is it me? It's you, Rob. It sure is. Okay. Um Dominique Robinson, Edge, Miami of Ohio. Oh, that. Oh, I was going to take him with my last pick. That dude. Hey, you want to talk about the Packers not taking a receiver? Technically, he played receiver for his first three years at Miami, Ohio. So <laughs> that's great. Thanks. You welcome. I'll do Travis Jones oh, and dude. Jelani Woods. Has Has anybody taken Drake London? Uh, you're going uh, to right now. <laughs> Yeah, no. okay. there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's a good pick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, so my last two picks. I've got to nail one here. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take me a Lewis scene. I can't believe it took you this long to get there. Well, I well, I did go heavy on round one guy, so I wasn't gonna do it. And then um, please hold. All my people that I wrote down <laughs> are gone. <laughs> All right. I know who I'm going to take. I'm going to take. I'm sorry. Please yeah. hold was a great line. <laughs> so, Ross, how many drugs have you done tonight? Like, you've been awfully giggly. Bro, I. Dude, we're running on low sleep. I've got a three-month-old. I got a two-year-old. It's there's a lot going on around here. No, I just looked into the future. I'm taking future Packer, Chigozium, Okonkwo. All name team. Ross, you're up. That is an all name team. Uh, let's go Isaiah Weston, wide receiver, Northern Iowa. Oh, and Mr. Irrelevance for this particular selection. Watch this be the one that wins it. I will take. Bubba Bolden, safety from Miami. Bubba. It's an all right, name there, to there, there it is. I will tweet this out. And the people the people will go nuts over it. <laughs> so is a tie just a wash? How does that work? Yeah, I think so. So a tie just becomes a wash. You're like, if Ross and I tie at the top, do you just send both of us a built bar? Hmm. Sure. 
Yeah. All right, let's do it what that if, way. What if we all get what if we all get one this year? Then that would be that would be a wash. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's get to some final stuff here. Final thoughts, Jerry Springer style here, guys. Just real quick. I talked about this Ross just a little bit. I was talking about the likelihood that they pick 22nd and 28th. What is your thought process on them picking at both of those spots? Do you think they move up? Do you think they move down? What do you think their overall strategy is going to be in this class? Uh you know, if I had to like put a prediction in place, I would say they pick at 22 and then trade out of 28 into like the 33 to 38 range. That's what I would do. Um, but I, I think they could be aggressive too. Like if, if they really, really, really like Jameson Williams or Chris Olave um, or Garrett Wilson, which I'm, I'm not so much about that, but um, whatever. I mean, <laughs> there are people who think he's the best receiver in this class. So, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I put it at 20, 25% that they actually just fire at 22 and fire at 28 and don't do anything. I think, um, you know, Goody has shown that he'll move around, moved up for love, moved around with the, um, uh, you know, the Savage stuff moved, uh, certainly back to take Jair and get the pick that he was able to use for Savage. Like he, he likes to do stuff. So, um, I'm guessing he'll like to do stuff tomorrow. Uh, I, I wouldn't be, I w- yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they picked, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they picked one guy. I wouldn't be surprised if they picked three guys. I, very, very little would surprise me. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. I think the strategy that I am supporting and this obviously a lot of variables at play, right? Like how does the board look when all this stuff happens? But the strategy I am supporting is trading up from 22 and targeting a guy, whether that's a pass rusher, an offensive tackle, a receiver, you know, name your position, um, targeting a guy there and then trying to recoup that capital by trading down from 28. Now what, it does. What, a, what an absolutely tragic attempt at, spent, at spelling Zion McCollum for whoever did that. That would have been Morley, and it was. Oh, was I mean, was, oh shoot! I just tweeted that out too. I did not. I did not look at the edit on that at all. I don't oh, think teacher, I the youth of America. Carloftis is wrong. I, guys, I was. I was going quick. Mercy, the youth Jesus. of America is in trouble. Okay, so <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Delete it. I, I'm gonna. Regrettably, I'm gonna have to delete that tweet. <laughs> just well, there you go. Once again, so there, there's that. I, w- I wish you luck in, in deleting that tweet. But that is the strategy that I am supporting, and that is moving up, targeting whoever that guy is. Like I said, is there a guy that's – I think, Ross, you might have mentioned this a couple of weeks well, ago. Is yeah, there... and like 22 – I mean, 20 – and I'd have to look at the Rich Hill chart, but like 22 and 53 should be able to get you wherever you want to go, truly. Yeah. And then you still have 28 and 59. You, you still end up – with more players than you would normally get. And hopefully you got whoever the hell it is you think is maybe not the next Devante, but like a star, like a, like, you know, people talk about, okay, well, there's only 19 first round grades in this class. Okay. Go get one of those 19 guys then. And don't just pray that one of them falls to 22. And one thing, you know, we, I wouldn't say argued about, but talked about this morning was you and Owen on Packaday did this um, like seven round mock draft thing. And you ended up taking three receivers in the top six picks. Yeah. 132. And, and, was the and last I really one. think the, the, the Watkins, not, not, not our guy Watson, but the Watkins signing, I, I think 
I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they added a tight end and a wide receiver in the top 100 or the, you know, the five picks they have inside of 92. I will be surprised if they add two wide receivers between 22 and 92, uh, because you're really putting yourself in a place where one of those guys has to play special teams, which could happen. Jordy played a lot of special teams, stuff like that. But if you're considering Watkins as a lock and I do, and, and, and I know that that's, you know, but I just don't think the the, the quarterback uh, that wears number 12 calls a guy and tells him to come to Green Bay and he doesn't make the team. Like, I think I think Watkins, obviously, they're not like best friends, wives having dinner together like him and Randall Cobb. But I think Watkins kind of has the Rodgers stamp. So if you view Watkins and you view Lazard and you view Cobb and, and some people might view Amari Rodgers as a lock as well, like the best you're getting on this squad is three more guys. And so you, you're talking about Malik Taylor, you're talking about Jawan Winfrey, you're talking about, you know, anybody. And by the way, some of them have to play special teams. And then you're talking about anybody that you would add from this group. And it just, it gets to be kind of a question. So we'll, we'll see. But I think that the, the, um, you know, people that are talking about riots in the street, if Green Bay doesn't take two receivers really, really early, need to kind of look at roster construction and understand what you actually want a sixth and or seventh wide receiver on your roster to do. Yeah. And that, and that's a fair point. Um, and earlier when we talked about it, you know, just to clarify, I'm 97% sure Watkins makes the team as well. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Could you see, could you see a situation where like Watkins injures his hamstring and they do the Devin Funches injury settlement sure. thing. That's yeah. like where that 3% thing comes into yep. play. But otherwise like, you know, with the guys that we took, just those three specifically. And those who haven't seen it, it was. And it was I know Alec- the money is, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I am going to. <laughs> I, I know the money is is pretty similar. I do think they view and I view the Watt, the Watkins signing as one level above the Funches signing. Like, I think yeah. they they really view this guy as, well, whatever. I don't think the team is. Like this is WR one, this is WR two. This, but they view him as like, okay, he's gonna he's gonna play forty snaps of our sixty five snaps on offense. He's a starter. Yeah, and I think that the goal as we went into that, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, was just to add three pass catchers, and maybe that meant you know one receiver and a tight end later. And we ended up adding a couple more guys on anything like that. But that's just like I mentioned, that's the way I kind of looked at it. But if you are doing that thing where you're adding you know one receiver early and one receiver, you know, late. So just for namesake, Chris Olave and Bo Melton, just to throw two names out there. And that guy being a top 150 player and the other guy being a top 20 player. This is where we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier is in a perfect world, is there a receiver worth the 13th pick in this year's class? Maybe not. But that's also kind of the consequence from using your draft capital the way that you have over the last couple of years. And then now not only that, but having the to replace Devonte Adams. And that's where I'm talking about, you know, trying to get somebody that instead of having to wait and say like, you know, Hey, we got three, these three guys graded similarly. Well, let's just say that's Drake London, Chris Olave and Jamison Williams. Like there's definitely a world where all three of those guys are long gone by pick 22. And now you're sitting there and maybe they don't like Traylon Burks. You know, he certainly doesn't fit some of the testing requirements that they have. You know, maybe they don't like George Pickens. Maybe they're one of those teams with the character flaw issue thoughts that they have. I don't think that they are, but they could be something like that. So Morley real quick, 
what is what is your take on this? Do, do you think the Packers are just sticking and picking? Do you think they move? What do you think their strategy is on this side of things? Yeah, I think they move. I think they move around. And um, just to kind of touch on what you guys were talking about with the receivers too, um, I think the Packers keep seven receivers this year. I just don't think there's enough continuity for this team to be able to just say we're keeping six, especially with yeah. Sammy Watkins being able to never stay healthy. And yeah, the other especially. the other take I have on that is <laughs> like Ross, you said Malik Taylor's special teams, and that's cool. Like, and I understand that that's what wide receiver six and wide receiver seven do. But like being the best, it's kind of like that conversation we had you know years ago when they let some of those guys on defense go, and everybody was like, oh, they're getting rid of all these guys on defense from that crappy defense. It's like okay, so they're getting rid of good special teams players from a crappy special teams. Like there could be some rehauling of that part of the roster there too. And that could have been, that could have been, uh, you know, like coaching more than anything else. Sure. You know, but, but again, and, but you, you do have to go through it. Right. Cause you're like Lazard has expressed interest. I don't know if interest is the right word. Willingness to play special teams. Do you really want that? I don't know. Cobb can't. Amari Rogers kind of can't. Like, if you think he sucks at returning, well, he's not big enough or athletic enough to go cover a kick or to go punt gun. He certainly can't punt gun. Um, so Amari doesn't have special teams value. You might not want Lazard on special teams. Cobb has no special teams value other than maybe going back and fair catching, which even he didn't even do that play. last year. Yeah. <laughs> So now you you know you're you're down to three receivers. Watkins has no special teams value. That's four receivers. Now you have four receivers with no special teams value, and you're starting to you know if you if you take a Jamison Williams, I don't think like an Olave has any special teams value. Truly, I don't. Like he's little. Like he, I Jamison hope I probably he doesn't can, either. I think he can be Emmanuel Sanders, maybe even a little bit more in the league, and be like an awesome number two or a borderline really you know, a borderline number one. I, I I love him. He's my top guy, but I don't think he has special teams value. That's why I like, man, you start looking down and, and you start constructing this roster. And I, that's why I think, man, Christian Watson and Alec Pierce, th- they make a ton of sense. They make a ton of sense. Even yep. I don't even know if Drake London has a ton of special teams value, even at his size. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, and that's where Pierce, I think, is the one where he fits Green Bay so well for all the reasons that you're talking about to where he's going to be a – well, I guess I don't know where he's going to be picked. But he's somebody that whenever that's, he is – That's the thing is I don't person. think you can get Alec Pierce outside the top 100. So maybe if it is like Olave and Pierce, it's like, oh, well, they got a very, very, very – or Jamison and Pierce. Oh, well, they got a very, very, very good small receiver that can't play teams, and then they got a punt gunner who – is maybe going to be a very good third or fourth option a la James Jones or a la not, not the same type of player, but like, okay, well, th- those years you had Jordy when he was wide receiver for like the Super Bowl season, you know, basically when, uh, you know, Jennings and Jones and Finley and blah and blah were getting all those targets. Jordy was kind of left alone on an island with a lot of corners that weren't very good, and that worked out awesome for the Packers. And maybe that guy can be Alec Pierce. On the championship, you know, I mean, he yeah. Like if not for Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson's a Super Bowl MVP in that particular yeah. setting. So, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun there. So yeah, I mean that's that's the case on that side of things. Um, if they don't go receiver in the first round, Ross, because I think we spent a lot of time talking receivers, and understandably so. Like we talked about this earlier, Jake, that you know the Packers in previous years when they haven't taken receivers, it's been like, well, they got Devontae. Like that's a really good starting point. They don't have that starting point anymore. 
Um, the starting point isn't that they have Devontae Adams. The starting point is Lazard, Cobb, Watkins, which is like, it's not as bad as like people saying it's the worst receiver room in the league, but it's also not a very good one. Um, but so it, that being said, if they're not taking a receiver early, you know, where or who, or what are some guys that you think that you're looking at based on, I know you have your, your short list that you publish for Packer reports. So what are some names that kind of come available in some of those spots that, that you think are worth a look? Just non-receivers basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Karloftis is the one, and I, I just mentioned, I, I got asked a very similar question on on the sports lead in Western Wisconsin today, and and, and Karloftis is my number one answer. Like, he, to me, I just, I don't agree with these people that 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 have concerns. Like, to me, he's a top 10 or 12 prospect in this draft period. Where um, do you have him on your edge? Because, like, mine, it's, it's Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Karloftis is third. Well, for sure. Yeah, I have him above Trayvon, who will go ahead of him, and I get the whole Trayvon thing, and Trayvon would be the most Packers pick ever, but he's not going to be available, so it doesn't matter. Um, the Karloftis thing, like, and I tell, and I get that it's Nevada. It's not that big of a deal. You know, Mountain West is okay football. But my man was 18 years old in a road game at Nevada, and he had 14 pressures. At eight, I don't care what tackle you're going at when you're 18 and you're giving somebody 14 <laughs> pressures. I'm going to pay attention to that. He's still yeah. a young kid, true junior. Pressure numbers are great. Athleticism numbers are great. Um, he he is he's one of those guys, man, that I think just makes so much sense for them, what they need, what they value. It's clear to me that they value having multiple edges, like multiple edges that they have investments in. Think how much they paid the Smiths and then drafted Gary. They need their third guy. I think Goody Mm -hmm. would like to have a fourth guy, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But other guys, you know, outside of the receiver, uh, I think, I think Dulcich makes a lot of sense if they really believe he's the top tight end in the draft. Um, you know, the, the pick your tackle, Abe Lucas. I, I don't love guys from Washington State, but you know, I think Abe Lucas makes a lot of sense. Um, if if you do end up with one of the like Zion Johnson guys or Sean Ryan guys in those top sixty that you want to play into your offensive line, and you're really going to commit to Elton Jenkins as a tackle, and other than that, you know, the Jordan Davis thing, but it, it just gets hard to, um matchup first round because like I love Devontae Wyatt. He hits everything that they want um from a size standpoint, but he's 24 years old. And that's just something they didn't and do. the character concerns like that's not something they've invested in. Yeah, if in if, if Christian it. Watson was 21, I think they'd already have his name on the card. Right. You know? Yeah. But he's not. He's not. He's 22 no, he's... and he's gonna turn 23 before he goes to camp. Um and then that goes for Boye Mafe as well. Uh, it goes for a lot of guys, man, and and, and so anyways, but. that's why I just I, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. And the, it's the it's one, a wonder the if guys, they talked they talked the about the way that they changed like that, doing stuff with the COVID year. I wonder if that might yeah. be like, yeah. hey, maybe we'll take somebody who's twenty three that we wouldn't or going to turn twenty three that we wouldn't in a normal year. But since it's not a normal year, but sorry, yeah, the two guys that you were talking about, I had to like. I, well, then I I had to laugh because it seems like and and. I have a ton of respect for Justice. Okay, I have him on usually once after every time the Packers draft, and we usually see so eye to eye on edge prospects, mostly because I kind of use his initial list as like where I start my work from. 
Um, but boy, do we differ on some stuff. He doesn't like Watson. I obviously do. <laughs> For the APC, he just wrote like uh, Sonny Weaver Jr. wrote down no safeties in round one, no matter what. And I'm going to tell you what. Two guys that make a ton of sense for this team are Lewis Seen and Daxton Hill. And you could call Daxton a, a nickel, but, man, um, you start talking about premier programs, nine-plus RAS, uh, y- you know, you start talking about what they value, that's them. That's them. Ah, here. This I want to – because I, I want this to be somewhere. I want I want this because this is a terrible take and I I get it all the time. It's honestly was Justice's take, and I want to take it down and 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 just have people understand it's not even close. The the way that these two guys played football is not similar. Like congratulations, you're able to measure their height and their weight and their speed and say that they're similar. Guess what? There's a lot of guys in today's day and age that are six foot three plus and run a four three, and some of them aren't going to get drafted in the top 100. And it happens every year. There's tall guys that run fast that don't get drafted high. MBS was one of them. The reason Christian Watson is on the athletics board as a consensus number 44 overall player in the class and might get drafted on Thursday is because this is a bad take. He's not MVS. He's not. He is a better route runner than MVS. It's it's he is more of a Debo threat than MVS as far as real live handoffs. North Dakota State handed up in the backfield, lined him up in the backfield, handed him the ball, threw him smokes, threw him squint swings, ran jet sweeps with him. He was an All American kick returner. MVS had no special teams uh, value at all. Watson was an All American kick returner he was an all-american level blocker that's something that mvs had to learn and was still just okay at watson is a lazard level blocker right now and will only get better as he gets involved in an nfl strength program and you saw him absolutely routing up guys at the senior bowl this limited route tree stuff is bullshit like you look at what north dakota state asked him to do they were 48 and four in his time there, winning by an average of 39 to 13. They ran the ball 55 times, and the play to Watson was play action and go run a nine or go run a post, and we're going to hit you for a 60 yard touchdown. You don't need to have a diverse route tree when you're up 25 points every game. And well, and Russ, Russ to times. talk on this too, because I know <laughs> there's people that will talk about. Well, he's only he he played less than thirty five percent of snaps for North Dakota State. Yeah. Here's the thing so, about North Dakota State: they run a lot of twenty two personnel. They're not going to have him be that one guy usually, because they will have some walk on third string go block the corner when they're running a gap power or running G like the big, and and every play at North Dakota State, and you've come to their games. Every play at North Dakota State, they sub out all five skill guys and come in with a different personnel package. Every play. And that didn't change for Christian Watson. So you'll get three receivers, a tight end, and a fullback on one play. The next play, they might come in with three fullbacks, a tight end, and a tailback. Or two tailbacks, a tight end, and a receiver. And it's always different receivers. This snap percentage thing 
is just the way they call it's, football, man. It's it's it, I get why you would and look at it and be like defend. It, and it, it and it's and it, I get why you look at it and be like, well, why wouldn't he be on the field for more than thirty five percent if he's if he is all that in a bag of chips, right? I and I would get that if it were any other program other than North Dakota State because they don't lose. Like what they do, why would they go away from that? Like that right. would be that would be bonkers for them to be like, ah, we've won nine in the last eleven. Let's change it up. You know, like why would they, they they're not going to do that. They're, they, they're going to run the ball down your throat. They're only throw the ball 250 times a year. So like that stuff as well. Yeah. So I think, and that's some of the, some of the takes are just like, you, you're not as right. familiar with North Dakota state as some other people. Yeah. How are, are you going to take a 35 catch wide receiver in the first round? It's like, well, you have to understand context. And if you don't care enough to go look at the context, it's like, what are you really doing? Um, the questionable hands thing that's legitimate from early on in his career. I don't care about hands in general. Like they come and they go. Jordy dropped the ball. Devontae dropped the ball. James Jones dropped the ball. They get over it. Like more, more often than not, they get over it. And when you're talking about a team and a program that only runs the ball or only throws the ball 250 times a year, you are going to be in a situation where three or four drops in a two game stretch screws up your catch percentage in a huge way because you're not getting 80 more targets to fix your catch percentage. It just is what it is. It's you talk about baseball and guys that have a low average right now, like Carlos Correa for the Minnesota twins is one of the best five, six players in all of baseball. He's batting 180. Does that matter? No. But if he's batting 180 in July after 300 more plate appearances, that's a problem. Christian Watson just didn't have the plate appearances because North Dakota State won every game by 30. That's what they do. So that's the Christian Watson section of this show that I was trying to avoid. So thank you. It wasn't my fault. It came up in the comments. (laughs) So thank you, Iowa Joe, for going anything on that. We'll see what happens. Tomorrow night, uh, it'll be the first oh, round of the draft. How did this even happen? That's okay. I'm not going to ask Ross you guys. 10, 15 minutes. Here we are 45 minutes later. Yeah, that's yeah, why you, I said. You I'm, and I are going to have words. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you guys for predictions for tomorrow night. I'm just going to say sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Packer Report tomorrow. We'll have plenty of content coming out. I have a uh, big board, if that's what you guys want to call it, something I did. I've done it each of the last couple of years. It'll come out over there tomorrow. Uh, it's A, B, and C picks. So, for example – uh, I know like the first year that I did it, that Joe Burrow is not going to be available when the Packers are on the clock. But if he did, that would be an A pick. Uh, they took Jordan Love that year and I had Jordan Love rated as a C pick. Shout out Jacob Morley for that. So there's all of those things. I have that tomorrow for every single position for what would be an A pick, uh, what would be a B pick and what would be a C pick. So looking forward to that. Ross has got his stuff. You have instant reaction over at Pack Report. You have instant reaction stuff here. Tomorrow night, we have boots on the ground. Uh, Joe Arrigo, MJ Hurley, and a couple other people will be in Las Vegas after the Packers make their pick and having a lot of fun uh, that way and getting some stuff going there. And Jacob Morley and I will be back next week to break down the Packers taking whoever it is they take and breaking down this 2022 draft class. I do. And like I said, I can promise you guys this, whoever green Bay takes and they could come out tomorrow with Lewis scene and, and Jordan Davis just to throw two names out there. And there'll be some, weeping and gnashing of teeth when it comes to the receiver room and all this stuff. And I understand that to some degree. I can promise you this draft is going to be infinitely more enjoyable than last year's was just flat out. The quarterback isn't taking a dump on the organization and saying, I don't want to be here anymore. 
Poor and you don't have to go through that for an entire weekend. So praise be to whoever it is that deserves to be praised for that. But until next time, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westorf. You can follow Ross. He's at Ross Uglum. And Jake is at Jacob Morley. We're out of here. Get your sleep going so Draft Santa can come into uh, stuff some good stuff into your stocking. See you guys next week. 